Welcome to Beyond the Routine with Bettina and Nick Shimanek. The podcast where we step away from the workouts and get real about life. We're a husband and wife duo, performance trainers, parents, and health and wellness experts. When we're not training professional athletes or traveling the world filming or leading workouts, we're sharing about life beyond the routine and how we find balance in all the unexpected and the chaos that our careers bring. Whether you're here to see what's going on in our crazy lives or how we manage our work-life balance, or you're interested in improving your overall health, we're here to take you beyond beyond the the routine. Welcome back to Beyond the Routine with Bettina and Nick Shimanek. It's just me today, but I'm not alone. No Nick today, but we have a good friend of mine, Miss Dr. Alessandra Young. She is a national board certified doctor of acupuncture and East Asian medicine. Uh, she focuses on holistic health and holistic beauty in Salt Lake City, Utah. She actually used to be in California, and that's how I know her because she used to work on me. And I like to say that you're the one that helps me get pregnant. <laughs> I like it when you say that too. <laughs> you are. So thank you so much for being here, Alessandra. I'm so excited. Or I'll call you Dr. Young. That sounds more official. <laughs> <laughs> how are you today? You feeling good? I'm so I'm so grateful to have you. I, I would uh, uh when we hopped on before we were started recording, I just was like, I miss your energy. Uh, that was something I always really loved about you. I loved looking forward to you. And I feel like that's so important in an acupuncturist because it yes. is all about energy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and why you got into the business and who you typically serve or if there's someone that you specifically like serving, if it's kind of a wide okay. range. It is a wide range. It is a wide range, mostly because acupuncture can treat just about everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then to the point of energy, yeah. um, it's funny. I, when I started my own clinic, I thought I was going to be doing one thing, but I'm attracting, I'm attracting something else. Mm-hmm. I'm attracting what I serve best and what serves me best. So I got into acupuncture. I, I started going to school, by the way, when I was 40. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, this is a like late in life thing for me. And it was uh, something I was just broadly interested in, but I really didn't think I could put a needle into a person. <laughs> <laughs> I really, in my interview to get into the school, you know, I said to them, I was like, you know, I, I just really want to learn all about this, but I'm worried. I don't know that I could ever feel really comfortable doing this. And they reassured me of a few things. First, it's going to be two years before you even touch a needle and put it into a be learning a lot more. And more importantly, it's a holistic medicine. So you're learning meditation, you're learning Qigong, you're learning Tai Chi, you're learning herbs. So when you're through with the program, you could just be an herbalist and a meditation Mm. person. I was like, all right, cool. I'll do that. I really (laughs) love that you even said that you didn't go to school till you're 40. That's, that's amazing because a lot of people always think, oh, it's quote unquote too late to start something new. And the fact that you even just took that leap, you are an amazing acupuncturist. So that just, (laughs) that makes me so happy to hear. And I feel like more people need to be inspired by that. What, what kind of, what made you take the leap to do that? Um, 
you know, I will say there was a lot of grace around that decision. I was in a huge life change because I was getting a divorce. So mm-hmm. here I was a person and I didn't have children. Mm-hmm. And, and also to your question, what made you interested in acupuncture? I was doing so much acupuncture for fertility. I didn't get pregnant. But I had these amazing improvements in my health. I had other um, different um, diagnoses that were cured by acupuncture, you know? So I was like, what is this amazing wow. thing? Um, and so, so yeah, it was, it was, it, I, I think it's not easy for women to make these sort of changes. So I just have to really sh- shine a light on that, that I was lucky that I had all of these circumstances in life that allowed me to dive into a medicine that required me to be in school and be singly focused for four years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what was, what were some of your favorite things that you learned in the beginning of your journey versus now? Uh, I'm sorry. And of like in um, my work yeah no and um, in in going to school like while you were in school like why as you were learning like yeah you were you wanted to be an acupuncturist but they told you you weren't even going to put a needle in anyone for the first two years so what what were the things that you were most interested in that in those two years before you even got to stick needles in people <laughs> okay i love this question the foundation of this medicine mm. I have been an environmentalist my whole life, a conservationist. I love the outdoors. I love nature. Like my favorite poet, you know, like Walt Whitman, like mm-hmm. all of these like things, cosmological things. And the foundation of this medicine is spiritual. It's based on our bodies in the natural environment. Like energy isn't just like, oh, I have this energy around me. It's like the energy of the seasons. It's the energy of the food that we mm. eat. It's all of these really great, it's holistic, right? Yes. So um, learning about, you know, every organ in our body has an energy and an emotion. It has a season. It has a sound. Mm -hmm. So all these really profound, wonderful, beautiful, poetic things. It's such a beautiful lens to learn to see the body through. So, yeah. So that that was one of my favorite things that I didn't even know was a thing that I learned from you was when I was having issues sleeping and you were like, well, what time are you waking up all the time? And I was like, oh, well, it's around three o'clock. And you were like, well, it's because of this. And I was like, what? And then you just put some needles in me. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> magically, I stopped waking up at 3 a.m. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about those connections? Yeah. So that's the body clock. Yeah. And, and again, it's this idea that, you know, our body and it, it aligns a lot with cir- circadian rhythms like um the idea that you know our large intestine starts working when we wake up in the morning so there's the large intestine time six to eight yes i should look (laughs) no it's very there's a lot to it don't test me but um yeah and you know things so there are different times of the day when certain organs are doing their activity more, the liver does most of its activity when we're asleep at night. And that's when our blood goes to our liver and it's doing most of its work. So, you know, I mean, when you think about it, it, the long view of like these ideas about how the human body operates in in the space of time came about thousands of years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, before, um, before like an understanding of like the liver organ was even 
you know, from a Western perspective, like created, they were like, well, this, this is what's going on. Yeah. Um, And that's another thing is um, this medicine is based on ancient translations. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes we'll be talking about something you know, like spleen. Okay. We have spleen time. There's spleen under spleen. And people will say, well, what if I don't have a spleen? My spleen was removed. So this now doesn't mm. apply to me. Like, does this change everything? And, um, and the answer is no, it doesn't change anything. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, um, like spleen is an imperfect translation. Uh, because it actually means all of the organs of digestion, all of the organs that create the blood that's in your body. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and there are these things through, throughout all of the medicine where we're constantly kind of trying to think more deeply into what is the information that was being passed along in these ancient writings and what did they actually mean? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's so interesting because I wore a glucose monitor for a month just to see how my body physically was reacting. And uh, it was just it was very interesting to me because it, all these foods that were so evident that, that like before I even wore this glucose monitor that were so evident that they weren't going to do, be very good for me. <laughs> and every time I had them, you know, that's when I would see the actual glucose spike. And um, I, what I loved the most was seeing the effect it had on my sleep once I removed those items that were having those glucose spikes. And it was stuff that was very obvious that I, you know, of course, wasn't like, oh, I should just remove that. Like, I'm a big fan of boba tea. And Oh, I'm a big fan. And I love I love it because I'm Asian. And it's just one of my favorite things. But I stopped doing it at night or I I made sure that if I was going to have anything like that, I would I would stay super active afterwards just so my body can metabolize it better. But people don't think about it. And it's just like it fuels their soul. And they're really happy about it at the time. But whenever you actually see how things operate in your body, and I'm not all about wearing a glucose monitor all the time. For me, it's all about awareness. Um, I just wanted to see what it would do. And I'm very into that aspect of science and seeing how my body reacts to certain things. But yeah, I like that. um, It's like it was confirmation for you. Exactly. And my husband even was like, oh, wow, like I've noticed you haven't ordered bubble tea as much. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Because after that, I I really was like, okay, I'm I'm, because I'm all about longevity. I want to live for a long time. Um, but I but I did like to see that it, it changed if I was staying active after that time. Like if I'm going to have one, I'm going to go play pickleball for two hours because my body is going to metabolize it better, you know, because I'm going to stay really active in that time. So it was it was all about awareness. But seeing that science, uh, you know, obviously, that's stuff that, you know, if you're if you're um, diabetic, um, I'm assuming there are a way different ways to approach that if you're you have more of an eastern medicine versus western medicine Uh, i'm curious for diabetics specifically like or someone that has a glucose spike are there ways with acupuncture and healing that 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 maybe some people in western medicine would do versus eastern oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're like let's get into it Oh, oh yeah i love this but also um I, I know that you're also interested in understanding like what's the difference between yes. 
Eastern and Western. Yeah, a lot of our, I feel like a lot of people don't even really understand what the difference is between Eastern and Western. Right. So I feel like in the conversation of diabetes, this is a really important one. If you are a type one diabetic, like, please do not think that you're just going to use Eastern medicine for that. Fair. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. um, that's that's and, and I will have to add just for anyone listening, like I'm very much I'm on both. Like I understand I, I love Eastern medicine as much and I want to be holistic as possible. But I know that okay. when necessary, Western medicine is possible. So I'd love to hear your that's take it. on it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Um, so I want to get this link for you, by the way. We're going to do that. Brad, there's going to be a link. <laughs> um, so, uh, there was, like, Brad! <laughs> there's a recent study where they looked at acupuncture and herbs as an intervention versus metformin for type 2 mm. diabetes. And of course, the people in the study who took the metformin, like 98% of them we're like very well regulated. It works. And on the Eastern side of things, it was only 50%. Mm. So the thing is, so, you know, they're like, oh, it kind of failed. But actually what it tells me is maybe 50% of the people who take metformin don't have to take metformin. So then it comes down to really assessing, like, is it safe for you to take, you know, where are you on this disease progression? Mm. Um, how much is it affecting your, your life? If you are not in an acute state and you have time to do acupuncture and take herbs and of course do all of the dietary interventions. I mean, nothing's going to change if you don't change your diet. There's no magic mm -hmm. pill there. <laughs> so but, true. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, and again, getting back to holistic medicine, I mean, that's another part of my training is, you know, being able to um, give nutritional guidelines, guidance to people. And, but um, yeah, so it's just, uh, here's another thing where Eastern's a little bit different when it comes to dietary things. So uh, one thing that I like to do, because changing diet is so difficult for people, yes. it's it's one of the hardest things to do. So is to um, interject some of the um, meditation and mindfulness practices like Thich Nhat Hanh has his book about mindful eating. So, you know, like I recently had a patient, she's a nurse. I don't have to tell her ding dang about food like she knows. Right. But what I could do is through interventions of meditation and giving her ideas around mindful eating, change her relationship in that way in a powerful way. Right. So when she comes and sees me every week and we do the acupuncture and we do our meditations, there's also a moment of like meditating on the mindfulness of her eating habits habits. Um, you know, so many times when we're not being mindful about ourselves and our bodies, it's because, you know, maybe we could just love ourselves a little yeah, bit. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. It's, it's, it's interesting it's, you mentioned a nurse though, because a lot of nurses that I know and not, and not my closest friends, but some nurses that I know are some of them more unhealthy and it's not even because they don't know. It's just because of the lifestyle. You know, they're yeah. they're at the at the hospital for twelve hours. They they wake up very early. Um, their circadian yeah. rhythms are way off because of way it. off. And yeah, they don't see sunlight. They you know all those things. So um, it's interesting to the the one thing that they can control and they should is is their eating. Um, on the on the days they're not working, maybe work out or yeah. get some movement in. 
Definitely. Try to take their breaks outside so they can get the sun. Exactly. All of this, mm-hmm. this holistic medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's such it's it is so challenging, though, because, um, you know, when you, people trying to change their diets, it's like, what, it, you know, how, how do I start cooking? Do I do this? Do I do that? And people don't really know where to start. What do you think some of the easiest things that people can do to change their diet? And and sorry, this is a two part question. Um, yeah. As far as herbs go, is that something that's like here you should take this herb, or is it very individualized for herbs? Oh, it. I mean, it. It can't. Yes. Okay. So Chinese medicine is. Um, all based on a theory of like root and branch. There's the root of the disease. It has many branches, right? Mm. So your Western diagnosis can be diabetes, but your Eastern diagnosis can be spleen chi deficiency, kidney yang chi deficiency. Mm. You know, like there, there are all of these differentiations within that. So yes, you have to, for an herbal intervention, you really should see do not try and self-prescribe yeah. herbs go see an herbalist go see an acupuncturist who's going to give you a correct diagnosis who's going to give you the proper inner protocol um and also you can be a very complex case like sometimes you know people will have multiple diagnoses so i want to combine different approaches and see how their body responds and then you know adjust as we're going and getting the kind of results that we need so yeah it's a very it's a very hands-on sort of that, that's um, good to know because i feel like everyone just kind of self-diagnosis and just looks to Google and (laughs) what is it that I should take? And I didn't even know that because I'm like, oh, now I want to search uh, herbalists in Dallas. So if anybody knows any herbalists in Dallas, let me know. (laughs) Another thing about diabetes, though, there, you know, there's an aspect of it that is inflammatory. And, Mm -hmm. and I had a patient in the pandemic who was like, I've never been even close to diet diabetic, but my A1C is crazy. And like all, Mm -hmm. you know, and they want me to be a metformin and I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And she was, you know, I totally looked at what her whole health was. It was safe for us to take some time for her not, you know, and I said, communicate with your doctor that you're going to try another approach. And of course it worked beautifully. Mm. And then I was talking to another doctor friend of mine and my doctor friend was like, well, you know, really you just relaxed her and that's probably what helped the most. Yes. Yes. You know, Western doctors don't, you know, they're like, all the other stuff is like frou-frou, but the relaxation is ultimately what, and and maybe a part of that's true. Of course. No. (laughs) And and I, and I do think that is very much partly true just because a lot of uh, people in our day and age are just so heightened all the time their stress levels are just up here and acupuncture just takes you down here (laughs) so uh, I wanted to talk about some myths about eastern medicine that you wanted to bust now that we're talking about that's a perfect one right there (laughs) it's people talking about oh it just relaxes you and that's it yeah so um I think in the first place, it's not just energy medicine, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, it's a big part of it. Um, It can be, but we're also acupuncturists are trained in orthopedic approaches. Mm. So it's very similar to like what a PT does. Uh, We have different names for things, but it's kind of the same thing, you know, really, Uh, you know, if you have tight traps, I'm going to they call it a motor point. I call it an Asha point, you know, 
We call it gallbladder 21. Um, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, yes, uh, we work on the physical body. We're trained to understand what the Western body is also. So yeah. that's, that's a really big one. Um, what else did I want to say about that? I, you know, I think really it's, it, it's about, it's less about um, a myth about, Eastern medicine, but I, I think the myth that I want to bust has to do with an acupuncturist within the whole system of health. Mm. And I think it's really important for people to understand that because of all of this Western training, we're a really good complementary kind of frontline way for you to deal with your health. Um, doctors can only spend 10, 15 minutes with you. Mm. And we spending hours with our patients yes. we have such a full picture of a person's whole health i recently had someone who you know is hypothyroid and bipolar was thinking maybe they were having a manic episode but i was able to steer her toward her endocrinologist to make sure it wasn't a case that her thyroid was amping her up and sure enough, it was her medication needed to be dropped, you know, this and that and the other. So we have opportunities just to really get to know our patients in a way where we're almost like coaches, yes. you know, like, like their whole health advocate, yes. right? Whole health. Uh, this is where you need to be navigated to within the Western system. And so really, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like, like you said, you're a good complement. So Absolutely. that's important. Um, yeah. Well, let's actually talk about what acupuncture is and what it's not. <laughs> oh, that's such a difficult question. I know. Well, let's start it this way. So I, you know, I, when I was looking for acupuncture and I found you, the place that I found you at was was called the Clinic for Pain and Anxiety. So I know that a lot of people when they, well, at least for me personally, I was looking to, you know, figure out what was going on with my foot initially. and then. When I got in there, that's when I started to realize, oh, I, I, I think that there's so much more to this than just my foot. So, I mean, yeah. what else? I, you don't have to say all of it, but I think some of the main things, um, you know, anxiety, maybe some autoimmune diseases, stuff like oh, that. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's really any, any disharmony or imbalance in your body mm. we can touch, right? So, um in working with fertility patients, we're often helping with hormone balancing, or maybe we're helping with um, just increasing blood flow to the uterus, mm. or maybe we're just helping with really calming a person down. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because a lot of people don't know how to just sit there for 20 to 30 plus minutes. Uh, True. What, yes. What's the deal with looking at the tongue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, did I brush my teeth before? <laughs> Don't. Oh my gosh. I Okay. So the tongue, think about it this way. The tongue is the only muscle in our body that we can actually see. Oh. So we get really important information about like blood flow in your body. Um, the coating of your tongue gives us really good information about your digestion. Uh, you know, like you break down your sugars and your carbs and it, it, you you have the glands in your mouth. So like a really thick white coating. I'm like, have you been eating a lot of cookies or <laughs> do you have a lot of cold? It, like, is your stomach now, you know, like, so really getting into like some metabolic things, but also 
the tongue is what we call a microsystem. In Chinese medicine, we have all of these microsystems. We have the ear as a microsystem. And what a oh, yeah, hand, the tongue. Um, you, I think more people are um, understand what that means because of foot reflexology, right? The yeah. foot is a map. The tongue is a map. The ears are a map. The hands are a map. So um, also on the tongue, you know, we look at different areas of the tongue, like a person who's not sleeping will typically have a very red tip of the tongue mm. and we call it heart fire, right? So now we're trying to do that. Someone who's really stressed might have like a red the whole sides of their tongue will be really red. And if they're like really, really red, it's like, whoa, that's that's a real stressed person. But wow. not necessarily. Sure. This is also, we're looking for patterns. It's just a way of kind of informing a pattern. You're like, if I'm speaking to a person and they're giving me a lot of information, you know, I I under I start diagnosing and then looking at the tongue and taking a pulse also are just ways of like, uh, confirming to me that all of this information is building a pattern that I can identify as a Chinese medicine diagnosis or East Asian medicine diagnosis. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I always always like, I wonder what they're looking at. I mean, I know there's something to it, but I'm always, always so curious. Uh, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on tongue scraping? It's something that I always do, but <laughs> like in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no thoughts on it, except okay. for if you see an acupuncturist, don't do it just on that day. Good to know. Okay. Yeah, just so we can see what your tongue coating is like, especially if you're having some sort of diabetic or metabolic concern, because mm. that can give us some good information. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I'm, I've been such a, it's just something that I do every morning. And I feel like, um, and the reason why I do it is because my lymphatic, massage person uh told me to do it and she said that overnight your body's detoxifying and it go a lot of it goes to your your tongue so just it always and then if i don't do it i feel ick, like icky so but good to know if i ever go to an acu or acupuncturist i should try to yes. sure if you're, they're going to look at it <laughs> yeah. um but let's talk about how it can help with fertility and pregnancy because that was once I, I I had my weekly dates with you, that was uh, when I started to think, OK, and it was during the pandemic when Nick and I were talking about wanting to get pregnant at some point. And I had, I think the year before, been off of birth control and then I wanted to regulate my period and I wanted everything to kind of be ready for the fertility <laughs> and the pregnancy. Um, so let, let's chat about that. Um, boy. So acupuncture, working with acupuncture and herbs for fertility, less so herbs, if you're in a doing an IVF intervention mm -hmm. um, and working on fertility from that sort of level, um, we don't typically want to use herbs then because... I remember that. Doctors just don't want to complicate, you know, things... As I said before, acupuncture is really good. And, and we don't know why from a Western perspective, but it is really good at helping a woman balance hormones. Mm. So in Chinese medicine, we look at it as this axis between the heart and the uterus, right? And or we look at this, we have these understandings, the Chong and Ren channel. We have all of these ways of um, talking about a woman's body that doesn't necessarily translate exactly to 
you know, Western medicine. So um, it's interesting because when I'm talking with women about their fertility, sometimes it feels like I'm just kind of spinning poetry at them. (laughs) The heavenly blood flow, you know, So the way our body regulates is, is such an interesting system. That's also unknown in Western, you know, nobody understands how the hypothalamus necessarily is communicating through the pituitary to our uterus and like what's going on. So, I mean, there's a little bit of an art there. It's more of an art than a science, but it's something that's been used for thousands of years um, with, you know, with, with um, great results. So, um, and what, I mean, think about it this way. Yeah, this this is a fun, colorful way of looking at it. Emperors had tons of concubines and they wanted to make a ton of heirs. So those acupuncturists needed to know how to get those ladies to have more babies or else they were going to lose their life. (laughs) No, I'm just being silly. But no, but really, it's just saying there's like a really long history in this medicine on how to support women's health. Yes. And, and, I mean, and, and I've talked about that all the time with people. I'm like, what did they do back in the day before they had all of these different forms of medicine? Like women were having a lot of babies back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Using a lot of herbs. Yeah. A lot of what, what's uh, called in uh, English mugwort. You know, that's <laughs> a real, and we've all heard of it like in like witchy stories, like yeah. mugwort. But it's, it's an herb that is on, almost every continent, if not every continent of the world, except mm-hmm. for maybe you know, the Arctic. And, um, and it's used in a lot of folk medicine and it's still used to this day because it works, right? Yes. yes. Well, let's talk about the difference between acupuncture and dry needling because okay. I, I have done both and it's two completely different things, two completely different yeah. experiences, but I don't think a lot of people understand what the difference is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, dry needling. They are the same needles though, right? Sure. Yeah. That's and nice. I, I can do dry needling. I mean, you know, as I said, that's it. the approach on the Western body and the muscular on the skeletal muscular systems, you know, that's something that we do also. Um, it's, um, there, it's also needle technique. I mean, really, I'm sure you probably noticed that. I have a lot of people come to me and they're like, how come when you needle me, it doesn't hurt? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm because like, oh, it's, it's, it feels thing. more like a stick and then you just sit there for a while. Whereas dry needling, it's you're in there and you're like, they're like trying to find the juicy spots. So I feel like people, yeah. people that want that, they're like, oh, I'd rather do dry needling than acupuncture, you know, because it, it yeah. feels like something's happening. Right. Yeah. And also, you know, there are ways of doing acupuncture. Um, There are different styles of acupuncture, even, um, you know, a more traditional like Chinese style is is going for what we call a Da Chi Mm -hmm. feeling, which is where you, you know, get this like zing and it's a very strong sensation. And then, you know, other methodologies are not about getting that, you know, especially Japanese style needling, very delicate. Um, So, um, yes, needle technique is a is a big part of what's different between the two. Um, what about how cupping can be integrated into all of these recovering because uh, recovery practices, I guess, because um, I've done I've had cupping done with a physical therapist. And then I feel like it's way different than getting it done with an acupuncturist. 
That's weird. <laughs> I know it feels like it should be the same thing, but it's okay. Yeah, it is I, mean, the same thing. I think it's just practitioners are maybe a little bit different, you okay. know, it just could be the way they interact with it as well. Like, you know, again, energy, I feel like acupuncturists have that energy of like, I, we're going to do this. We're going to relax. Whereas physical well, therapists is like, we're going to get in there and we're going to do it. And then we're good. And then blah, 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 take it on and off. But it's very like, not disruptive. But you're just like, okay. <laughs> well, so there I mean, isn't yeah. much of a difference. Yeah. I mean, I think clinically your experience of the, you know, the way an acupuncturist practices clinically is very different than a PT. Sure. I mean, that's for sure. Like our, our approaches are going to be different, but I'll say this. Um, one thing that I like to offer is cupping training for, uh, for everybody. I, I think this world would be such a better place if more people were cupping at home because yeah, um, I have the little suction cups. Perfect. Yeah. What are some well, tips that I can athlete, use with it? Or like, what are the best ways that I can integrate it without obviously giving up your, your secrets, but like, like a little, a little way that I can just, cause I have like a little set. We'll link yeah. it in the, in the bio or in the, in the bio, yeah. link in bio, um, <laughs> in the, in the show notes where we have, I have, it's like, um, five different sizes, like a small one, a medium, a bigger one, and like a big daddy, which I feel like I could put on my booty or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and those are the silicone cups. Yes. Like you just, I, yeah. I just put oil on and I just kind of put them in there and just, yeah. And you can move them easily yeah. too. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So um let me say this. I, I don't yeah, I don't I don't think that there's any um need to keep the information around. No gatekeeping around here. <laughs> no, none. Um so what you have are um those are better for like moving fascia. Like I love okay. moving, especially for an athlete, right? Like for me personally, working on my body, I would rather cup than roll than foam roll. I feel like it's way different because I feel I, that I'm pulling everything to the surface area versus foam rolling. I'm kind of jamming everything in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know I'd, if that's actually accurate, but that's what it feels like. Well, I'm going to say something that might even be more inaccurate. Great. <laughs> 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 I feel like uh, with the suction, it does a better job of breaking up adhesions. Here's why you're pulling more blood and fluid into the tissue. And when you're doing the moving cupping and you're actually sucking and pulling the fascia and like moving everything, yes. I, I, I can't imagine that pressing into something, unless you're scraping or doing like a grasp and that's pretty you know, the, that you can probably get as deeply as cupping, but it's sure. just to say, that, yeah, I feel like, and when you're doing it, I don't know if your experience is this way. I just feel like it takes less time to get to what I need to have happen. You know, yes. if I want to roll my IT band, it's, am I going to endure rolling for like 15 to 20? Yes. Or am I just going to like put on some oil just, you know, clench my teeth and bear it for like a couple of like strokes along my band and then I'm and then I'm done. Right. So there's an efficiency to it for me mm -hmm. um, in my personal experience on my body and also in my experience on my patients. Yeah. So from a clinical perspective, when I'm working with a person, um, yeah, I'm doing either cupping or I'm doing um, gua sha or like Graston, you can call it either. Love it. Scraping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on uh, 
the herbs a little bit more. I know we touched, we, we talked a little bit about it, but is our herbs something that you just like, it's always prescribed in a, in a Eastern medicine setting where if someone is it, or are you just, if someone's interested in it or is it, what are the things, what, when would you prescribe? I, I don't even know want to use the word prescribe, recommend herbs. Yeah. Um, so first of all, of course, there are lots of contraindications with herbs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, assessing, well, what are your medications that you're on? There are medications that completely contraindicate using herbs. Um, and then there are also complications that can arise. So you definitely, um, I, you know, someone who's taking certain types of medications, one of the most typical um, complications with herbs is that it can increase the intake of a lot of um, prescription medicine. So mm. that kind of, you know, if you're on something that's time released, like you don't want to take herbs in time with taking the Western because it's going to um, intake in your body more quickly. And then you're going to. And when you results. say medicine would like supplements like magnesium or prenatals, would that kind of fall in the same or more um, like medicine, actually, medicine? I mean, it's not going to like harm you to have a quicker uptake of supplements. Sure. I'm talking about medicine where, you know, dosage is Got so it. critical Got and, it. and, and, you know, I never want to interfere with, with that sort yeah. of regulation of what's happening within a body. But, um, so I, I like using it. Some acupuncturists just use needles. Mm -hmm. Some acupuncturists like to use needles and meditations. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're changing so many different things. I personally just um, love herbs, especially for regulating women's cycles. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a quicker way to get there. Think about it this way. Uh, sometimes our body needs a substance in order to make a transformative change. And so the herbs are giving your body the substance that it needs in order to make the transformative change. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, and, I, um, and I know that acupuncture and all of this, even herbs can help with Health, overall health, obviously, but beauty, because that's something that you, like you said, you shifted more into the oh, beauty yeah. realm out there in, in, in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I tried to shift. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to open this business with the focus on beauty, but that is not what my recommendations oh, are. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love doing it and I do it, but it's really funny because um, I've just, you know, just as people experience me in the practice of medicine, that's, what happens, yeah. you know, like I get all the referrals for back pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, that's what people are all about. I love it. But, yeah. but how does it help with beauty? Yeah. So lots of different things. Um, let's start with longevity. Mm. Um, and just your skin, like a general skin health thing. Mm. Yeah. You have the most like radiant skin for anyone not listening. You have to, her skin is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When you said you started at 40, I was like, wait, what, how old are you? <laughs> oh, ladies, we have a long life. Do whatever you want to yeah, do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, needles. And this is true anywhere on the body. When we put a needle in, we're doing two things. We're moving blood. We're moving chi. When a needle goes into a body, a body sees it and says, oh, I've got to heal things. I need to improve blood flow. Mm. So how is our skin nourished? Our skin is actually nourished from, from our blood, right? 
So in holistic beauty, it's, you know, the needles are increasing blood flow, um, maybe things like cupping practices to help with musculature. Oh, and I, also I use the little flow. mini cup on my face and before photo shoots and I'm like glowing. <laughs> totally. And my dear, you said earlier that you also have a thing with lymphatics. Are you using it to drain your lymphatics? Yes. 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 Very helpful. (laughs) I have I have that on my Instagram. I have a little how to. So I love it. I know how to do that. Um, There's that. But then also, again, we're back to things like herbs, like hormone balancing. A lot of times the problems that we have with our skin have to do with hormones. So I want to get into hormone balancing or I want to get into um, um, in Chinese medicine, we have, uh, you know, different ways of diagnosing disease. And one thing that we work on is called dampness Um, and dampness in your skin can also be breakouts and that can be related to gut. So in holistic health and beauty, I might also be working on your gut. So you have less dampness in your Mm. face. Sometimes it's not hormone related, right? It might be related to our diet and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so in holistic beauty, I am using needles to help your face, your musculature, um, skin tone from the perspective of improving blood flow. Um, I might, I might prescribe herbs to help with other things that are happening internally. And then of course, beauty is really about feeling really good about yourself and being relaxed. So, you know, I always do um, meditations and sound bath meditations. And so it's really cute. Like someone the other day said, you should call this a soul spa because I, it's also about making people just, you know, you leave glowing because you just feel like, Oh, I've nourished every aspect of myself. I've nourished my soul. I've nourished, you know, my nervous system's good. I'm going to leave smiling. And yes, yeah. well, that's yes. why all of us need an acupuncture or somebody like you with your energy in in our lives. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really do miss, I miss your energy. I, I really, really loved having my experiences with you, especially over the pandemic when that was such a stressful time uh, for everybody. Mm. And we were just going through so much. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that time that I had with you. But for anybody that doesn't have access to someone like you, wherever they live, because of where the uh, the location, or maybe they don't have the money or the time. What are your top two tips on managing health and wellness if you can't access someone as amazing as you? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I mean, definitely, I'm going to bring it back to cupping. Mm. If you are living with a person with chronic pain, um, if you're a person with chronic pain, cupping is just going to help you manage that so much better. If you're an athlete, it's so important for sports recovery. Um, yeah, it's, um, I, I can't say more about cupping and I wish we all did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you mean like um, with cupping, like obviously you can get the oil on, like I put the oil on and I move, move it around, but uh, like leaving it on, like how, what's a good amount yeah. of time for leaving it on in a certain spot or are there certain I mean, spots you should avoid? Oh, all, all of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where do I start? Okay, so um, first of all, for home use, there are two types of cups that you can get. I and mean, you, we already discussed yours. They're the kind that are more like silicon. You yep. can also get a um, type that is like a suction pump. And those kids oh, come... Those, yes. 
Yeah. And they come with a tube, which makes actually treating your own back easy. Because if you can imagine, you put the cup on the tube, then you have the suction in your hand. And so you can actually, if you're going to be treating your own back, because you don't have someone to do this for you, especially lumbar, mm-hmm. um, I would say get one of the suction pump kits because, okay. uh, I, I mean, you it's very difficult to do your own moving cupping on your body unless you're doing legs or arms. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I have a hard time doing it. I'm like, Especially if you don't yeah. have the mo you're doing you're doing cupping so your mobility can increase. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um so um I would say, you know, you don't wanna if you are using it for injury and pain, if there's any sort of suspected tear, you never want to do cupping over a tear, oh. you never want to do Cupping over a or, you know, a very bony joint, you don't want to do cupping if you have a suspected herniation in your spine, you know, but and, and unless you have an image of your spine that shows that like it's all good, then um, you don't want to put a cup over one of your vertebra because I mean, there's a chance you mm. could you know, make it worse. Um, I'm a very safe practitioner. The other people out there would be like, oh, it doesn't do that much. But I, I always yeah, err on the course. Of should. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, two time, two types, I'm sorry, two types of cups, the silicone cups that are better for moving and, and fascia. And then the suction cups, um, you know, some other cool things that are known in other cultures as ways of using cups. Very good for lung health. Mm. Um, if you have a child with asthma, um, do cupping on the upper back between the two scapula. Don't leave it on for long. It's a child, right? Child's children's child's. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a child with asthma, you can do cupping on the upper back. And what the cups are doing is they're increasing, increasing the cups are increasing blood flow into the lungs. Um, it can also help loosen like phlegms and things. It's mm. just going to improve lung health overall with children. You don't have to keep cups on for long and don't, yeah. you know, maybe a minute children with croup. I had a patient who happened to bring her daughter into, you know, while she was having her treatment and her daughter had a dry cough. And I was like, oh, do you mind if I put some cups yeah. on there? you know, wake up the next day after weeks of having a cough, but you know, it's gone. So really great. Yeah. So, um, and fevers in China, Mexico, Russia, other places, if you get a cold and you start running a fever, grandma's putting cups on the top of your, you know, and so things like that for, um, um, when you get a flu or a cold, it can be really helpful. No cause um, for pregnancy though, right? You're not supposed to. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, yeah. So again, pregnancy is a contraindication for cuffing. Definitely. Yeah. Any sort of strong, yeah. you know, stimulation. You don't want to yeah. do on it. Yeah. Be pregnant. Yeah. Be gentle. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So cupping. And then the second thing. Um, is meditation. Mm. And I, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of people who feel like they can't meditate or they don't know how, or, you know, we all tend to overcomplicate things. You know, I can't turn off my brain. So my easiest meditation recommendation, I think this is accessible for everyone is to simply close your eyes and count your breaths. Mm-hmm. 
start off just counting 20 breaths. Mm. That focus is going to calm your mind. That focus on your breath, your breath is going to anchor you in the present moment. You're naturally just going to start slowing down. You're going to naturally start connecting with your body. So meditation doesn't have to be like a really big, complicated thing. Just wherever you are, starting to feel stressed, close your eyes. You can even smile into your breath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like doing that too. Smile with each inhale and just close your eyes and count. Yeah. And say, just say to yourself, I'm going to give myself 10 breaths right now. I'm going to give myself 20. Someday, maybe you'll be comfortable giving yourself 108,000. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite meditations to do because it gives you just enough, like you said, just enough to just slow you down. And the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And what I think it also does, is, and, and what I recommend, if because I'm a big advocate for meditation and just slowing down in general, because I used to be just so heightened all the time. And once I implemented meditation in my life, it just changed so many things for me. And I advocate for practicing that meditation when you're not stressed as much as you can. So when you find a calm moment to practice it so that you can better implement it when you are in those stressful situations. So that's our combined advice for anyone that's looking to to better their health. Because it's not just a a woo-woo thing too. There's just so many physiological changes that are happening in your body whenever you relax or when you take that time for yourself. So that's absolutely great advice. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share? I know that we have that you have an amazing uh, meditation on your website and a few other places or on on Spotify uh, that we'll make sure we link in our in our uh, not our bio in our (laughs) in our show notes um, amongst some other things. Are there any other amazing links that we would like to share with the with the listeners that you that you have? Um, So I occasionally also do retreats. I have a retreat coming up. It is sold out at Maple Grove Hot Springs in Mm. Idaho. Um, And I am, you know, next year, if everything's clicking along, I'll have two or three more retreats. And these retreats are opportunities for people to dive into wellness practices, meditation. Um, I provide acupuncture, lots of sound baths. you know, I, I'm trying to uh, create experiences for people to feel like they can dive in and access all this great information. Oh, that's amazing. That's definitely something that everyone needs. So we'll make sure to link your Instagram on our show notes as well. So people can follow along with the journey of that and follow along with all the other things, great, amazing things that you share on your page. So Thank you so much, Dr. Alessandra Young. I just want to say Thank you all the time, Alessandra, <laughs> for having uh, or for being here on Beyond the Routine. If you like this episode and maybe you need some some relaxation, uh, make sure you check out her meditations. And if you want to send this episode to someone else, please don't forget to share it with your friends. Share it on your Instagram and tag us, tag Dr. Young. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can always also, 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 so many things to tell you. Contact us at contact at beyond the routine podcast.com. That's it. Peace. Just real quick, we'd like to remind you that while we are fitness and wellness professionals, we are not doctors or prescribing any medical advice. We do advise that before you change any of your habits or routines, 
you always should check with your healthcare provider. 